So need I even ask how your Monday is? Well, your Monday is uh, probably good. Uh, well, I, I don't think I'm as frustrated as you are at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I should have just stayed in bed for Monday like my dog. <laughs> is that where she is now? It's actually, we heard my voice, so he's under my feet oh. right now. Oh, I see. But, yeah. yeah, he's just being really quiet. I'm in a higher chair. Otherwise, he'll jump up into my lap and try to figure out what's going on. That's fine. That's fine. That's the beauty of them. Yeah. And I, I see, I see your dog behind you. Is yeah. that, that scrappy back there? That's correct. Wow. Yeah. Do you, do you currently have any dogs? I do not. I, you know, it's everybody always asks when you're going to get another one and my heart's just not there yet. You know, it's as much as I would love to have that companionship. It's just not, it's not time for me. And plus I'm traveling an awful lot now. So yeah. it makes it even more challenging. Yeah. You know, almost three years between my last guy to my current dog, Bonsai. And you're right. Everybody asks, well, when are you, when are you? And some people just jump right into it. Yeah. And others, I've got a friend who loved his dog Mesa and it's gosh, probably been a solid 10 years, but it doesn't seem like he's ever going to get a dog again. Like I said, it's the heart. Yeah, it, that, that's for, for me. That's what it is, you know? And, and like you said, I've got my girlfriend's kids. They're, they had to put their dog down, but then they got one almost a month later. And that, that to me is just, you know, I, I could never do that. Just never could do that. It, yeah. Ho hopefully they don't hear this part, but you know, sometimes <laughs> it, it's, it's so different. I think from individuals, as far as getting a dog, like I think for you and I, it's not a replacement. And for some people right. it's a replacement. It's an item. And like you said, travel, it makes it so difficult. I feel guilt if I have to travel because this is probably like you, it's more than family. It's my child and I wouldn't leave my child behind. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. That's well said. And, and you know, Scrappy and I traveled everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, everywhere. And so at the, the time that I got her, I was living in upstate New York and, but a lot of my business was down in the city. So I would drive, you know, two, two and a half hours to Poughkeepsie, take the commuter train into New York city, but I always put her on the inside seat because she loved to watch everybody get on and off the, the train and just all the activity. I, and I described it as, it was like, she was watching a tennis match. The little yeah. head was just going back and forth, but she absolutely loved it. And people loved seeing her and watching her as well. Yeah. What, what kind of dog was Scrappy? She was a mix between a toy poodle and a chihuahua. My guy's mixed between a toy or a poodle and a Maltese. So he's a multi-poo. <laughs> so. I don't know what we really called Scrappy. I think the best term I ever heard was from one of the nurses that we would visit occasionally. And she says, you know, she just looks like something for the woods. <laughs> scrappy <laughs> yeah that's exactly right oh well we might as well just jump right into this Let's because we're it. talking about pets we're talking about our our animals our furry pals you you're you're kind of a new author right as of was it october of 2021 
That's, that's exactly right. A brand new author. And ironically, it was nothing I ever intended on doing. It just, it took two years to get to that point, but through some encouragement, I was able to get it published. And I see the book right behind you. Is it a, are you able to grab that book and show us? Sure. Hold on one second. Yeah. So this is the book. It's a tale of love. It's called Life Lessons from Scrappy a Pet Therapy Dog. And, and, and notice tail is not a tail like T-A-L-E, but it is a dog's, it's a tail. Tail. That's exactly right. <laughs> T-A-I-L. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it might be me jumping forward really quick, but I'll make sure I backtrack. But how did you and Scrappy get into like pet therapy, going into hospitals and stuff? That's a great question. And that too, wasn't anything planned. It just kind of happened because we relocated, but we didn't relocate. We just moved from upstate New York to Tennessee where we are now, but we moved here sight unseen. So we didn't know too much about the area. And so one of the things that we did to kind of assimilate into the community was to get out and just allow Scrappy to kind of walk around because she was always the attention getter. You know, she was so small. She would sit on my forearm and all four paws would go into the palm of my hand. And so that immediately just got people's attention. But then we learned that there's a, a, just a wonderful children's hospital in town. And one of my neighbors had actually mentioned something about pet therapy. And so I just knew Scrappy would be a perfect fit. And so I called the hospital. There's a department that normally coordinates pet therapy within most hospitals called childlike services. And they are amazing people. They've got one job and one job only, and that's to make that child's day, the best day they can possibly make it for that moment. And so I got in touch with them and they actually had their own training program and coordinated with, you know, uh, an obedience trainer. And so we went through the training and then after the training, uh, you get to choose which hospital you would like to go into. And I thought the children's hospital would be perfect for Scrappy because of her size. And they required a little additional, uh, training and evaluation. It was really the main thing was just to make sure that the dog didn't jump. They don't want, a, you know, an animal jumping up on the bed mm -hmm. place. Uh, you know, I would place Scrappy on the bed next to a child if they wanted but they never wanted the, the dog to take the initiative and jump up. You just don't know where that injury is. Yeah. And so that was one of the things that we had to be evaluated for. You know, the, the thing that's really interesting, and I'm, I'm glad that hospitals or some hospitals do this for trauma and whatnot, but dogs, pets, I guess, especially dogs, because they're domestic animals. Yeah. And they're small enough to be in your home, but their, their love really is unconditional. And if, if they can sense the good in you, or if they can sense that you're hurting, they know it. You're absolutely right, Chuck. And it's really amazing. I'll share two things with you real quickly. The, the first chapter of the book is called love is responsibility. And in there, I write about how I felt scrappy took her role as a pet therapy dog so seriously. 
And she understood that she was there to be compassionate and to allow these children and their families and the nurses to pet on her and love her. That's what she was there for. She somehow, she just understood that because there was one story I'll never forget. The little boy was getting chemotherapy at the time and we could hear him crying from the opposite end of the floor. And so the nurse knew that we were coming and she asked if we would come down there first. And I just put Scrappy in between the two of us while he was sitting on the bench. She was in between us, but I watched her and she just kept trying to inch a little bit closer to her. And she was always looking up at him. And, you know, she just had that way about her to let the recipient know she was there to be loved. And she was, you know, going to do whatever she could do to make that person feel better. Do you think Scrappy had a sense of fulfillment doing this? Do you, do you think that she knew that the two of you were there to help people? She loved it. And I'll tell you how I know. We had to get there 10, 15 minutes early to give her time to call down. <laughs> because <laughs> she would be in the car and, you know, sitting in my lap. And she knew when I made that right-hand turn to go into the parking lot of the hospital, she knew where we were. And she would just start bouncing around all over my lap and, you know, from one seat to the, to the next, she <laughs> understood what she was there to do. And she absolutely loved it. And so I would get there early, give her time to kind of do her business a little bit and get into the lobby and wait for the person to come receive us and take us where we needed to go. And it just gave her that time to kind of get some of the anxiety, not anxiety, but excitement out of her body. Mm -hmm. It's, I don't want to lose sight that we're really talking about your, your, your book. It's more of a memoir, right? Is that a right way yeah, of putting it? Absolutely. Yeah. So with that being said, it's a memoir of yours and Scrappy's life or journey. Who do you think the book is for? Wow. That's, you know, that's a great question. I, I don't know that there's a defined audience to be perfectly honest with you. I think this is an opportunity for anyone to understand the relationship between a, a, a human and their dog in this particular case. So animal lovers obviously are, are going to appreciate this, but I think people just looking to understand a little bit about life as well, you know, because I did call it life lessons from Scrappy. Mm -hmm. These are things that I began to realize after she passed away that I think she was teaching me. I, you know, when she passed away, I went through a grieving process. I'm still going through a grieving process, but part of that process was writing. You know, I would write her little notes and then those notes became letters and those letters became stories. And it was that second element of grieving for me was reflection. And so it allowed me to think about all the things that we did together, all of our experiences and begin to understand how she managed each and every one of these situations her way. And that I think there was a lesson there that could be that I could use personally. And I think a lot of people could as well. Yeah. One of the things that I, I learned from 
from being a pet owner. And I, it's funny. I have a hard time, honestly, saying pet owner. It just <laughs> because I, I, if I had a child, I wouldn't say I, I'm a child owner. <laughs> but, you know, but I'll just keep saying pet owner. But one of yeah. the things that I learned from my boys was patience. Yeah. You know, I had three dogs at the same time. Oh, my. And it really forced me to learn how to be patient. And each one of them had a different personality. So that's the other thing too, that it, it made me realize that you, you can't treat everybody, every pet the exact same way because they are all different. Yeah, you're exactly right. And so I agree with you. It's, it's hard to be. And, and even in the book, I say, you know, I don't like calling her a pet either. You know, she was a member of my family. She was a member of my extended family. And so from that perspective, you know, I don't know if she got treated any differently, but I think there was just an appreciation for who she was more than anybody else from that perspective. And, you know, I, I tell people sometimes that we need to get out of our own backyards, you know, and, and be able to explore. And one of the things that I speak about is the fact that exploration is the key to lifelong learning. Well, for Scrappy, that was the ability for us to travel together and to go to the hospital and to do all these different things. And I think the traveling, quite honestly, made her a better pet therapy dog because she she was exposed to so many different things and nothing startled her, nothing. So, and she was just fantastic from that perspective. Wow. You, you loved definite, no, not past tense. You love Scrappy. Yeah. Yeah. Still do. You're absolutely right. Yeah. It's, I mean, just kind of stepping back again, just a little bit, like we're talking at the very beginning, it's our pals, you know, we don't replace them because they're not material items. They are a living being. Um, you know, I, I, I truly believe that doggies have souls as well. So absolutely agree, you know, and they're, they're as much of a living soul as anything else. And they've got feelings, they've got emotions, they know how to love mm -hmm. and they know how to respect and do all the things that good humans are going to do too. Yeah. Yeah. I want to take a step way back and ask you how you and Scrappy came together, how you, how the two of you met. Well, it's a good story. A lot of people ask if she, if she was a rescue dog, I say not in the traditional sense, because I, it was in upstate New York. I was actually uh, going out with this young lady who had a, a four-year-old son and she had actually gotten Scrappy as a puppy. But her son was just way too rough. And any time that he would come into the room, she would come running to me. And, uh, so I would protect her from that, uh, perspective. But when we stopped seeing each other, we both agreed it was going to be in everybody's best interest if Scrappy came with me. So she was, she was the settlement <laughs> from the relationship. So in that sense, she was kind of, uh, a rescue dog, but not in the traditional sense. It sounds more like Scrappy picked you. 
<laughs> I'd like to think that, but it was, it was very mutual. Let me, let me say that it was very mutual. May I ask, was Scrappy always known as Scrappy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah because it, it was just, it was an interesting name only because the, the little boy, that was about all that he was able to say clearly. He could say Scrappy very clearly. And so that just, it just stuck. So it was perfect. It was meant to be. Yeah, right? absolutely. Your, your book, where can people find your book? Well, obviously at Amazon, mm -hmm. uh, that's the obvious, but you can also go to Barnes and Noble nationwide. So it's available through them as well. Okay. And they can also look it up under your name, Larry Grogan, correct? Just G-R-O-G-A-N as well. That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. Since you are a first time author and you just have the one book out there. <laughs> it makes it a little easier. Yeah. <laughs> about being an author, because that's not, we're, we're saying your first time. So obviously it's not your, it's not your trade. It's not your day profession, but do you, do you think you're going to write more? Did you find it therapeutic writing? Well, the therapy for me was the writing, you know, when Scrappy passed away and and it was a two-year process. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't anything that was immediate. It wasn't anything that was planned. For me personally, writing got me through a lot of the emotions and the difficult issues that I was trying to manage with her passing. So writing was very important to me. Will I do it again? Maybe. You know, I don't know exactly what it will be, but what is about to happen is I do have some, hopefully some speaking opportunities down the road where we can actually take each of these life lessons and present those in such a way that it would be meaningful for a larger audience. Okay. Congratulations on that. Yeah. Uh, thank you. You know, I hope the listeners and viewers understand that, like you were saying, this book, the writing was a therapy therapeutic. So with that being said, and hopefully they understand and know that maybe they will read this and be motivated to do the same thing if they're grieving over a, a loss of their pet or something, because, you know, being on the social media, I, I see all, I, I, at least, you know, a couple of times a week, somebody's pet has passed and I see things people post one, two, three, four years later, still my memory of. So hopefully they read this book, The Tale of Love, you know, from Scrappy and understand that reading the book can possibly help them. And maybe they should just start writing, writing it down, writing their feelings down about their pet. Well, and I think it, it applies to most anything, you know, obviously for me, it was all about Scrappy, mm -hmm. but I describe my grieving process as three steps. The first was, you know, the emotional side of things. And I. I've never cried so much in my life when she passed away. That was just a, a terrible part of my life during that time period. But then I said the reflection, the ability to think about the great things that we did together, the impact that she had on all these children, their families, and, and again, the nurses, the, the nurses are such a wonderful part of humanity that sometimes doesn't get all the appreciation that they deserve, but they were dealing with things that, you know, I might see for two or three minutes and they may have to deal with it for weeks or months at a time. And so they, 
very much need that comfort and that ability to pet on the dog as well. Mm. And then for me, the final phase of the grieving process is the legacy. You know, I've got something now that I can share with the audience and they can learn to love Scrappy as much as I did. And I think the final final piece of it, excuse me, is I want to encourage people to think about pet therapy. You know, this is just a beautiful way to give back. We talked about philanthropy, always wanting to give back. It doesn't have to be financial. Mm-hmm. It can be your beautiful pet. It can be part of your time and allow your favorite animal the opportunity to share some love with anyone that needs it. And I think that's kind of what you were saying at the beginning. That's the beautiful part of, of dogs in particular. You know, they, they don't know any discrimination. They don't know, you know, whether you're white, black, green, yellow, it doesn't make any difference. They're going to be there for you, uh, whether they know you or not. And that's really what pet therapy is all about. And it's just a great way for anyone to give back and uh, be part of this just beautiful experience, whether it's at a hospital or a school or just in the park, it doesn't matter. That's, that's a good thought. I would definitely then encourage people to look into, to doing that, taking their pet and getting the proper training and offering those services. Because I, I, I'm, I'm glad you corrected me on this, that it, this memoir of you and Scrappy is not just about you and a pet, like you said, a legacy, it's your, the memories and things like that. It could be a parent. It could be something else. It could be your child. So yes, I stand corrected that your book would be good for everyone and everything. The one thing that I would like to add with your comment just now, I, I would hope that people who are on the grieving end, not in hospitals, but a grieving end, don't go out and get a pet because they're lonely. Because that, that oftentimes that is the wrong thing in the wrong time. I would encourage them to go and volunteer at a pet shelter or something like that, rather than getting them. Because I've heard stories and people that I know, sorry, I'm putting that in there. People I know who, who say, I'm lonely. I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a dog. And it's like, don't do it. They do it six months, a year later. They've gotten rid of the dog because they said it takes too much time and they don't, they don't want to do it. So I, I agree hundred percent with you. And I think to, to your point, the best thing that they can do, as you says, go to a shelter and, and volunteer. I, I told someone the other day, I said, just go sit on the floor, you know, and see if that animal will come to you. If that animal will come to you, then you know, you're likely to have a good bond. You know, but if they're still skittish and they're afraid of people, whatever the case might be, but uh, it's just a great time, like you said, to kind of allow yourself to get a little bit, but then know for sure whether or not this is going to be a good fit for you. I think you're absolutely correct. And it is a two-way street. It's, it's beneficial for the person grieving to go and help because they're going to get the love of whatever pet, dog or cat, or maybe a horse that comes to them. And that animal is going to feel the same thing too. So definitely volunteering and doing that, I think is one of the best things that someone can do. 
Absolutely agree. There's that 100% agreement on my evidence. I want to go back to that book. Okay. Amazon, like I said, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, you can find it pretty much everywhere. Kindle. And in fact, I think it's under $5.50 if you go to Amazon and get it for Kindle right now. That's correct. <laughs> it might be $5.47 if I recall correctly. <laughs> you said that odd pricing. <laughs> no, I think Amazon did that for me. <laughs> oh, it's, are you, I know you don't have any pets right now, but do you ever, this may sound strange, I don't know if there's dog parks around you. Do you ever just kind of go to a dog park and sit and watch dogs? Or that sounds creepy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, let me be clear. No, I don't do that. <laughs> but you know what? I, I don't feel bad, you know, petting the dog. I think some people, particularly right after Scrappy passed away, I, I just try to stay away from them. I was fortunate from the perspective that we have a very close group of friends and Scrappy was one of two dogs within that group. And so when Scrappy passed away, Jackson came over and just sat right next to me. I didn't ask him to, and he rarely does, but he just came and sat right next to me and just gave me that opportunity to, you know, pet on him. He somehow, as we said earlier, they just know. Mm -hmm. And so he was immensely beneficial, you know, through my healing, but, you know, from that point on. It didn't matter if it was Jackson or any other dog. If I was out walking, you know, we live in a pretty big neighborhood and people are always walking their dogs and I would stop and ask if I could pet their dog. And, you know, and again, it just, it makes you feel good to do that. Made me think about Scrappy a little bit more, but no, I don't, I don't hang out <laughs> <laughs> looking for animals, but you know, when they come my way, I'm definitely going to walk that way. Yeah. Scrappy is always with you and is, I'm sure, always somewhere in your, in your mind. There, there's no doubt. And always will be. Yeah. Always will be. And that's, that's a great thing about having our memories. And, and that could be, again, whether it be a parent, a sibling, your, your furry pal. There you go. See, I, I was doing my best not to say pet on that one, yeah, yeah. but your, your pal. <laughs> now, as far as your memoir goes, is there another story that you could share with, with the listeners as far as, you know, maybe one of the times you went to the children's hospital and the excitement that one of the kids had seeing Scrappy again for the second, third, fourth, fifth, 10th time. Yeah. You know, that's, that's always an amazing situation because you never know what that child is dealing with. I never asked their name. I never asked what was wrong with them. Certain situations like a young boy going through chemo, you know, but I just, there were so many situations where the child was alone in the room, you know, a family member couldn't be there at that time. And so, you know, Scrappy would just go in, comfort that child for a period of time. And we would just talk and, you know, mostly about Scrappy. And uh, I would say, well, you know, we need to, you know, I'd be looking at my watch and I said, you know, we've got a lot of other children to go visit. I said, is that okay? She goes, yeah. I said, you know, would you want us to come back? She goes, would you? I said, yeah, of course we will. Let us just go visit everybody else. And when we're done, we'll come back and we'll spend some more time with you. 
And so we had several of those situations where you know, the child was just alone, you know, and lonely and just needed that opportunity to spend some time with the, with the new friend, you know, and, you know, I mentioned earlier, this group within the hospital called child life services, you know, one of the things that they would do at Halloween was they would have a little dress up period, you know, and they would bring the, the children that could come down, they would wheel them through and all the doctors and nurses and administration would dress up as different characters and hand out candy. Well, to give you an idea of what Scrappy really looked like, there was always a group that would dress up as the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> they always called to see if Scrappy would be Toto. <laughs> and that gives you an idea of what Scrappy really looked like. And of course we would say yes. And so, you know, they would just hold Scrappy and, you know, it was just another nice feature that we could offer the children, you know, as they were getting their candy, they could pet Scrappy a little bit, but most of them were too excited to get the candy and they would just, just keep on going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's just, just great experiences like that. And, you know, again, that I think some of the more, actually, I think some of the more memorable experiences were with the, fa you know, the family just has such a hard time accepting that their child is in a hospital bed. And so they need that companionship as well. The nurses, as I've mentioned many times before, they just need that compassion as well. Every time we started visiting, we, we went to the nurse's station first. That was the very first place that Scrappy and I would always go. And it was always fun to hear her name, you know, coming down, coming down the hall, someone being interested to, to see her. Yeah. You know, the one thing that just really dawned on me is when you mentioned a child may be alone in the room and lonely and the word comfort. I think a lot of times, maybe when a child is a little bit older and even adults, when we're in a room sitting with another adult, we almost feel like we have to say something and we don't. And I think with a pet like Scrappy, that's a perfect situation where Scrappy doesn't need for you to say anything, doesn't ask you to say anything. She's there for you, to comfort you, whether you say something or not. Chuck, I think that that's so insightful on your part. I mean, it really is. I, I wish I had thought about that for the book, but you're right. And that's just a beautiful thing about animals and what they provide us that opportunity to do. Because, you know, you mentioned two humans sitting in the room, one of the things I always remember my mother saying is, you just don't talk enough. Well, mm -hmm. What do you want me to say? <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm very comfortable not saying anything. You know, when I've got something on my mind, I'll mention it. But you know, that's where a dog or a cat or whatever your favorite animal is, allows you that opportunity to feel comfort, feel love and not have to say anything at all. Yeah. Larry, you're going to make me cry. No, <laughs> oh, don't do that. Don't no, do that. I'm just, you know, just thinking now back with my boys. So crazy thing is all my dogs, well, my four of my personal own of all boy dogs. <laughs> I can't say enough good things about good pet owners um, and good dogs. Um, there's some great movies out there, but some great 
sad books and movies. So, yeah, yeah, you got as I say, you got to take the good with the bad sometimes, I guess. But you know, again, that's one of the beautiful things that animals offer us that opportunity to appreciate love, appreciate life, and the friendships that come with them. You know, I Scrappy was my friend. Yeah, you know, much like yours, Ed. They're they're our buddies, and so that's why. It is difficult to leave them behind. We just don't want them to go away. And so it just makes for those great memories when we do have to take that unfortunate step, but there's a lot there to be gained. There, there really is. Um, there is. Can you, can you hold the book up one more time for the attitude? Yeah. And the thing that I like about your book is it's not 400 pages. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> far from it <laughs> 126 pages i believe <laughs> which is a perfect length really to soak in everything that one needs to and just by our conversation and listening to you definitely can tell that you you love scrappy and i am i'm absolutely certain the way you wrote you were able to share the the, the life that you and scrappy shared together so I hope so. And I hope, um, anyone that does read it is going to enjoy it. And again, I just appreciate the value of what Scrappy did for me. And that's really what it's all about. It's what she did for me. And again, I would just encourage anyone that has a, a pet or a dog, <clears throat> excuse me, that would like to consider pet therapy. You can go to our website and get some information of the various resources of what's required to do that. And uh, just give us some thought because it doesn't have to be at a hospital. It could be at a school or nursing home, whatever the situation might be, but there's plenty of opportunities. Can you give the listeners your website address? Yeah, it's real simple. A tale of love.com. You heard it. And remember, it's I that's right. Hey, that's right. It's the tale of a dog or a cat. It's T A I L. Correct. This has really been very, very enjoyable. I, I've enjoyed listening to you, having our conversation and learning a little bit more about Scrappy, which like I said, it's, I shouldn't have wor- used the word, you're going to make me cry. I should have just said, I'm fighting back the tears and it's just the memories that my boys had given me. So, and, and of course I've got a new one that's, uh, boy, is he giving me memories. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate that. And I appreciate you very much having me on your, on your podcast. This has been fabulous, Chuck. Thank you so much. Thank you, Larry.